Well, thank you very much, Pastor Andrew and team, and uh, Rachel and Jacob and Eric. Grateful for your ministry to us this morning, leading us in those songs. That was uh, very sweet. I appreciated your singing as well, as I heard voices lifted up this morning. The joy to sing these songs to one another as we remind each other once again, as I said, of the gospel truths. Well, it's a privilege to preach the Word of God. Let us turn to John chapter 1, the gospel according to John chapter 1. And we will reiterate these scriptures that Josh led us in a little bit earlier. The gospel according to John chapter 1. I want to uh, say again, as Jane uh, welcomed us in the announcements, a blessed Independence Day to each and every one of you. We are and should be very grateful for the freedoms that are permitted us as Americans and not take those for granted. So I trust that in your celebrating of this day and in the observation of the holiday tomorrow as well for many of us that we remember uh, what it truly means to this nation and hold dear to us the freedoms uh, that so mark us as a nation that has permitted us to be able to proclaim the gospel uh, relatively freely uh, throughout this country and to propagate that gospel of the Lord Jesus to other nations. And so we need to protect those freedoms and live out of those freedoms and be grateful for them. As well, we want to go uh, before we read from the Word of God to our prayer list, and it's printed inside of your bulletin. There are some critical updates that we want to recognize there. So uh, before you flip to your note-taking page, which I hope you'll utilize at the back of your bulletin, let's turn inside and go to the prayer list. It is as printed um, with these additions. And certainly our, our uh, prayers of condolence uh, go out to the Hoosier family and the sudden passing of daughter Colleen this last week. Um, she just collapsed at home and was gone. Uh, so a relatively young woman and uh, this family is grieving. Bill is in the apostolic home, so he is not able to be with his family on a regular basis and grieve with them uh, as we would love to see him be able to do, but pray for them. And an important note that Nancy Brown, Howard Brown, has uh, transitioned to Brookdale Assisted Living. So for those of you who feel inclined to encourage her with a card, uh, call, or a personal visit, which my understanding is we are permitted to do with uh, some limitations, but then I hope you'll take advantage of that and to our other residents in nursing homes in the area. Please add the following. Mark Johnson's daughter, Jamie. Mark, one of our members here. His daughter, Jamie, is uh, dealing with end-stage cancer. She lives in the Cleveland area. Please pray for Marge Huffman, who is suffering from shingles. Ryan Mathis uh, is undergoing radiation treatment, and if I understand it right, uh, Rich, it's for glandular cancer, is that not correct? It was on his tonsils. Okay, they're, they're just, they're, it's precautionary. They felt that he was cancer-free, but he'll be receiving radiation for this uh, cancer of the tonsil, of the tonsil area. Um, 
for uh, a little bit here. And then would you please pray for the Daniel uh, Nisley family? Um, This is Maddie Raber's nephew. He's a young man, uh, and his wife, Mary, passed away in the night. Uh, Was found this morning, uh, gone. They have a young child, two-year-old. Mary was maybe 30 years of age. Would you please pray for the Daniel Nisley family? and for Maddie and her family as they once again walk through another uh, terrible and sudden loss. Pray that the Lord would sustain them. Let's go to the Lord now as we prepare for the preaching as well as for these on our list. Our Father, we lift up these on our list. Many of them have been here for months, if not the last couple years, as we think of our military and first responders and government officials, particularly on this Independence Day. Uh, each of these critical areas, Lord, of our nation. And we pray for wisdom, for discernment, for humility, for a surrender to your lordship, and for protection in their care of the general public and of our nation. We pray for our missionaries throughout the world that they would be strengthened and sustained. And of course, for haven of rest, and we're thankful for Brother Ben coming and expressing that ministry to us today. Bless them as they minister to others, our various nursing homes these that are struggling with diseases or recovering from illnesses, uh, surgeries. We pray for our brother Rick Super in a hospital in the Raleigh, North Carolina area with internal bleeding and unable to find the source to this point. We pray that they would be able to stop that bleeding and bring healing there for our sister Julie as she continues, Julie Feliciano, to battle cancer and Rex with heart issues Uh, Nancy and others in the various assisted living and nursing homes in the area that they might be comforted and encouraged and know that they are seen and loved and cared for. And we pray for the Hoosier family, for Gene Roberts, uh, Father, each of these. And Father, we lift up Mark and his family, uh, Jamie's struggle with cancer, for Marge Huffman as she battles against shingles, and Ryan as he undergoes radiation treatments for this uh, last vestiges of any cancer that's there. We pray that you would eradicate it. And Father, we pray a special hand be upon the Nisley family and the Raber family this morning of comfort, of grace, and peace. And through the terrible tragedy and the deep grief of this sudden loss, we pray that they would sense your arms around them, Lord, that you would comfort them and hold them and provide for them a vision for the future and the, the hope of glory and the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. May they be loved and supported well. We commit ourselves now to the preaching of the word of God. Open our hearts and minds to receive truth to the glory and honor of your name and our good. In Jesus we pray, amen. All right, we are in the gospel of John, as I said, chapter one. In the beginning was the word. Now this harks back, of course, it calls our minds back to the Genesis account and we'll be going there shortly uh, in that first chapter of Genesis. But here we read, in the beginning was the Word, the capital W Word. It has been personified here. And the Word was with God, and the Word what? Amen. Thank you. The Word was God. The Word is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now let's read together verse four. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It has not comprehended it, some versions said, uh, but the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Let's read verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And now let's read verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Now, we will be using that passage of Scripture as our foundational passage this morning as well as next Sunday as we speak about light and life, light and life. This morning, I'd like to speak concerning God being the source of light and life. There is a stark simplicity in comparing light with darkness. We all understand it, light and dark. They're true opposites, even to the point of being in direct conflict. From our earliest age and recollection, we fear darkness. We long for the light. This is the theme, darkness is the theme of so many of the stories that we have received over the, over the years. It's so much a part of every culture across the globe throughout history. Uh, many stories, movies, songs have been written about the power of darkness and the power of light in contrast. In Psalm 130 verse 6 we read, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Why would that verse be so powerful and why would it be used in this context of suffering? Because darkness is indicative of a time of testing, oftentimes refers to a period of fearfulness or anxiety. Darkness is a challenge to us. How many of us have stubbed a toe in the dark? lost something in the dark. As, as I age, my eyes become a little more dim and less able to focus in the dark, and I find it almost impossible to be able to read anything or find things even in twilight. I have to have light. Light is a blessed gift to me, and for those of us as we age, uh, even more so. Becky and I will never forget the, uh, the terror, so to speak, of darkness each night when we attempted to put one of our daughters to bed. Uh, she shall remain, remain unnamed. <laughs> Happily changed, fed, loved on, prayed over, and then tucked carefully into the crib. We turned the lights off and 
fell into bed exhausted, we would pray and then wait for blessed sleep. Only to be jolted horribly from bliss with a blood-curdling wail. How many of you parents have experienced the same thing? Yes, it's a, it has a visceral impact in our spirits because we know that feeling. And those of you who are going through it now, God bless you. <clears throat> it can be hard. It can be exhausting. It is a blessed privilege to raise children, but my goodness, and it wouldn't end with that one occurrence. Now, I'm not talking about just on a nightly basis we would go through this for a long period of time in her early years, but it would happen multiple times a night. And I I have to admit, I confess to you, I am still salty about the fact that my wife could lay her head on the pillow and fall dead asleep. Her shoulders are shaking. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> she could fall asleep, but I, aw- I awoke at every peep and every cry and uh, would wake up and go in and uh, feed the baby or change or hold her and try to comfort her and calm her down and lay her down again until she was finally exhausted enough to fall asleep. And so this, this goes on and on. It seems then that even babies, many babies struggle with the darkness. I think part of it is not just the fact that they can't see other loved ones safe and secure uh, around them, but they feel isolated as well. And that's how we often feel in the dark. We feel isolated. So there's a sense of dread that often comes with darkness. How often has darkness been the source of countless tales of horror, as I mentioned, of fearfulness, and the proverbial boogeyman under the bed. And some of you parents and grandparents, shame on you, you used the boogeyman illustration to try to freeze that child into bed. Don't put your feet on the floor, the boogeyman will get you. It was, it was terrible. I, mean, I, I heard things and swore that I saw things. One night I awoke convinced that there was something slithering over my stomach as a small child. Um, so we have these fearfulness, these things that are deeply embedded in us concerning darkness. Indeed, it seems that most acts, not all, but most acts of evil are conducted under the seeming cover of darkness. Where then can we look with assurance, with absolute trust, to a source of light that will not fail us. First of all, we must look to God. Light comes from God. Now, I promised you we were going to look at Genesis chapter one. Would you turn there with me? We're going to, you're going to hear a lot of scripture this morning. I hope you'll jot the references down in your notes Rest assured that for those of you who are blessedly involved in small groups, you, your leaders will have guides that have most of these scriptures printed on those guides. So if you miss something this morning, you're going to have an opportunity to go over them again and hear these references in your small groups this coming week. 
And I hope you'll all commit yourselves to that, uh, that great privilege. But uh, in Genesis chapter one, we find that all true light finds its origin in God. Let's look at the first verse. In the beginning, there it is again, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and what? Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Fluttering, hovering. In these first two verses in the, in, in the Genesis account, there is an awesomeness, a hugeness, a mystery that is, it, it's hard for us to grasp. It can cause and bring and should bring such a sense of awe and majesty and even to some degree terror to our hearts and minds as we think about the vastness of eternity and the void and formlessness that was the beginning of the earth. And over this deep, deep, eternal darkness and this seeming chaos of formlessness and void hovered the Spirit of God. And God said... Say it with me. Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Now, why didn't he just make it light all the time? Well, we're thankful, aren't we, that we do get some darkness so that we can close our eyes and sleep, and this light and dark, this cycle of light and dark that he created on day one reminds us, number one, that he's the sovereign creator of all. So the next, as we walk through our days and we see the sun rise and then we see it set and darkness begins to fall, let us be reminded that God is the sovereign creator of this day that we have just lived through and the new one to come. And so we recognize the signature of God upon every single day, just in the cycle of light and darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. I wonder as well if God did not create light and dark as a clear contrast between righteousness and wickedness. Now that's a stretch. I'm not willing to put my theological life on the line for that statement. But In the contrast between light and dark, this morning we find it to be a very simple illustration of righteousness versus wickedness. And so even in this, we see that God is establishing his sovereign rule over all the affairs of mankind, which he knew would be fallen in sin. Now, it's also important to understand, just as a side note, that God created all of this, and by the way, he did not create stars until day four. The sun and the moon and stars were day four. This is just simply light and dark. 
He did all of this ex nihilo, meaning out of nothing. God does not need raw materials to create. God creates out of nothing by the word of his mouth. What a powerful account this is. And by the way, if we get this wrong, we find that it is not very long before we get many things wrong in our theology. Let us look carefully to the original account that we have in Genesis. So we find that all true light finds its origin in God. Let there be light. There was no light. God didn't steal it from a star or some other system. God created the light in that instant. Here's another interesting sidebar of that that I won't get into very long. But if God revealed light in the creation of the earth, out of the formlessness and void of the earth, without there being stars and other, solar, other, other systems, planetary systems and galaxies, what does that say about the importance of the earth in the redemptive process and God's singular love for his creation here on planet earth and all of the hubbub about aliens? Now, we could get off into a whole mess with that, but let's just focus on this. God had a singular love for the planet Earth and the people that he was going to populate this planet with. So outside of this light, there is only darkness and chaos. We find a stark contrast in God's word between light and darkness seen in our character as human beings. All throughout history, listen to what the word of God says. Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Now that sounds like a modern day social commentary. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? Matthew 6.22 and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. I struggled with this as a young believer. I would read this over and over and over again in this Matthew account. What does this mean, Lord? I don't understand it. The more I have read my scriptures and grown in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, thanks be to God, I feel that I understand this. In other words, if our eye is focused upon the light of God and that light of God through faith in Jesus Christ is what lives inside of us, then we are full of light. But if we delude ourselves and think that by some other method, religion or good works or, or just by being a good human, human being or whatever it may be, that we have light, and certainly God's common grace does reveal his light to us in a lot of ways, whether we be saved or not. If we believe, though, that apart from faith in Jesus Christ we possess light, ultimately we will find 
that this seeming light, this so-called light that we trusted in, turns out to be the absolute worst, deepest, darkest place for all eternity, separated from him. How sad it is for people who stand in their own self-righteousness, and this is most of the world around us. What darkness they are dwelling in. God, free us from this darkness. This is our prayer as we proclaim the light of the gospel of the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Proverbs 4, verses 18 and 19, which verse 18 has been a seminal verse in the development of this message in my heart over the last few years. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. You see, they think they see light, that they possess light, and they think they know where they are going. But they stumble in their unrighteousness into eternal judgment. So, we see that God is the source. He is the source because, secondly, God himself is light. In Psalm 104, verses 1 and 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. In James chapter 1, we find that there is no darkness in God at all. Not not an atom of darkness, not a vestige of any darkness at all. James 1, 16 and 17, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good and good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And in a very powerful passage of scripture that we would all do well to study in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We see that his light then is our life and it is our salvation. In Isaiah 61 through 3, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. God help us that America not lose the light of the glory of God. Ultimately, everything that is good about America loses its luster in the loss of the gospel. When we cease to, be, to show ourselves to be a righteous nation, and some would argue that that is long past, then we lose our power and effectiveness in the world. And this is the problem that we are finding today. 
Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God's light then becomes my light, thirdly. In Isaiah 60, 19 and 20, the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning, or in other words, grieving, shall be ended. Praise God for that. Psalm 119, 105 a verse that all of our children learn and we have learned through a variety of songs and choruses. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word is light and understanding. Psalm 119.30 says the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Do you want to grow in wisdom, young people? Young father, mother, Do you want to grow in wisdom and discernment, understanding? Look to the word of God as light and life. You're not going to find it anywhere else. And God's light ignites my light. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. Psalm 18 verse 28 says. There's a hymn um, that has been sung throughout the ages entitled Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. In light inaccessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Unresting, unhasting, and silent as light, nor wanting, nor wasting, thou rulest in might. And then the last verse. Great Father of glory, pure Father of light, Thine angels adore thee, all veiling their sight. All praise we would render, oh, help us to see. Tis only the splendor of light hideth thee. What a great hymn that is. God reveals himself in light because he is light. And yet we are so often blinded. John chapter 1 says the light shines into the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not, I believe the King James says, and our ESV says overcame it not. Not only do we not comprehend this light in our natural state, we don't receive it, but it still wins. The light wins. The light always wins. How then are we supposed to comprehend this immortal, invisible God who is clothed in this brightness that is too much for us to to be able to comprehend? In fact, it's terrifying to most people. I spoke with a man who was a, a, a neighbor. He was in my neighborhood. I was out doing lawn work yesterday, and he spoke to me, and he said, you're You're a preacher? And I said, yes, and he already had approached me in a a rather unusual fashion. And he said, now this is going to sound like I'm I'm trumpeting myself. This is not my righteousness whatsoever. And indeed, this should be said of all of us. He said, I could tell right away that there was something different. He says, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't want to talk to you anymore. 
He, he, and he kind of laughed a little bit and joked, but he turned and walked away. And he said, no, he said, don't say anything else to me. He said, I, I knew there was, we ought to make, we ought to, by the glory of God that lives inside of us, cause other people who don't know him to feel slightly uncomfortable. And yet at the same time, for those who God is blessedly calling into his kingdom, we strangely attract. They are attracted to us because we know that the light and the life live inside of us and we have an important message to live and to articulate to them through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. How then are we to reveal this? Well, it is only through Jesus We can make this really, really hard. We can invent all sorts of ways that we're supposed to shine and to glitter. And those are okay. But ultimately, we shine because of Christ who lives inside of us. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For those of you who have attended any of my funeral services that I've conducted... You know this passage of Scripture well because I have fallen upon it for the life, the tribute to a life of faith many times. I think John Silvius could probably stand up here now and preach this message from this point on for me (laughs) because he has processed this passage of Scripture along with me quite a bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. We'll just read that. Um, But Follow along in your Bible. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but who? Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus our Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. No one gets up here and opens the word of God or reads the word of God for their own sake. And if they do, they have no business being here. We are your, as pastors, as articulators from the lectern or from the pulpit, we are your servants in Christ Jesus. We don't have a leg up. We're not better than any of you. We simply have been called to proclaim this message. Why? Verse 6, for God who said, read it with me, let light shine out of darkness. It reminds us of Genesis chapter 1 and the gospel according to John chapter 1 has shown in our hearts, why? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God what was before incomprehensible mysterious, fearful, terrifying to us. The light of the glory of God is shining out of darkness into our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ. This is why Christ came. He came to reveal the Father. He came to seek and to save We would not know God but for Jesus. Jesus is the pure expression of the glorious nature of God, the incomprehensible majestic light of God to you and I. And apart from Jesus, we have no hope. We can experience once again the common grace of God's natural revelation all around us on this planet 
but we cannot truly know him except through his son, Jesus Christ, who said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. In Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous, I read this once before, is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. So, when Jesus comes to live in our hearts by faith, what happens? Our bodies, as they age and grow weaker, more fragile, should reveal through the cracks more and more and more and more increasingly of the glory of God until the day when the vessel of clay breaks and we are fully in his presence. That is a tremendous, to me, that's a very comforting thought of the aging process that many of us have learned to hate. We have all heard, growing old is not for sissies. And as the pastor to senior adults over many, many years of ministry, I can echo that I have heard that hundreds of times. And I now experience much of that myself and say that getting older is difficult. And yet it is a reminder of what? That the glory of God, it doesn't come from me, it comes from him, and it's his life inside of me, and that indeed in the very process of aging and this jar of clay crumbling and cracking, it is the glory of God that shines ever more brightly until finally I am, I step into his presence. And what a great gift that is. What a way for us to teach our children about the process of aging and life transitions and death. There's a sacredness about all of it as we explain this. Look at the practical, simple, straightforward implications this truth has for us as well for, as true believers in Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you will, briefly, and I'm almost done, but uh, 1 John chapter 5, uh, 1 John chapter 1, I'm sorry, if I don't hurry up, the people in kids' ministry will lynch me. 1 John 1, 5 This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, what are we doing? We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we, what? Walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Why is it that fellowship becomes so complex, so difficult, so much of a challenge within the body of Christ? Because so many of us are not walking in the light. Receive it. It's the truth for me and it's the truth for you. The more we play around in the shadows, The more we think we can avoid the starkness of God's great light in revealing sinfulness in us and walking in that lighted path, we break fellowship with one another. Jesus is the light of the world. 
In John chapter 8, verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love the lines from that last song, Tremble, that were sung before the message. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Your name is a name that the shadows can't deny. Those are powerful lines. Jesus Christ shatters darkness and sin and fearfulness. He bursts through the shadows because he is pure light, the expressed light of the glory of God. Herbert Lockyer said this in his commentary on the names of God, Christ then is the light and not a lamp carrying a light in it. He himself is light and what John makes clear in the prologue of his gospel is that he was the life-giving word, so he is the light-giving word. All truth is light and being the sum of all truth as the capital T truth, he is the capital S, source of all light. Then is there not a pregnant thought in the statement, the life is the light? Beyond the light, there was the life. It was all Christ in himself as the light from heaven that expressed itself in all his words, ways, and works. Is it not so with ourselves? It is not so much what we say or do that enlightens others, but the real life behind such. The life is ever the light. So when Brother Ben and the folks from Haven of Rest provide physical helps to people in the Akron area, What's behind that? What powers that service? If it is not the light of God in Jesus Christ, ultimately those physical helps, though they may provide temporary relief, will end in death. But when those physical helps are provided in the power and the engine of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then life comes out of it. So what's our application and we're done? Where are we tempted to seek light elsewhere? And you're gonna get these questions in your small groups. Where are we tempted to seek light elsewhere? Religion? There are, there's no end to people's amalgamations of religion. They put a pot on the stove of their life and they dump in a little of this and a little of that. Well, this sounds good. I don't really like that. I know people who say, oh, I love the red, the red words of Jesus, but I don't read the Apostle Paul. It's all the word of God. Jesus is the word. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. That's what we have to say about religion. Psychology. None is righteous. Not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. So in all of this self-help stuff and building ourselves up and increasing our own image, we must come to this realization. Nobody is righteous. And then we seek the Lord for our self-esteem. Social commentary, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Education, the wisdom of this world is folly with God. Work, what gain has the worker from his toil? And in Titus, not by works of righteousness. Entertainment, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. How about altruistic behavior? In other words, humanitarian behavior. 
not a result of works, so that no one may boast, Ephesians tells us. And our heroes? Ah, our heroes. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, is there usefulness and good in these things? Absolutely. They're not all bad. But if they are the end of what we believe and we are seeking light in them, we will always be disappointed and it will lead to death. What has been our honest experience when seeking light and life in anything or anyone other than Jesus? It's a life of shadows. It's a life of shadows expressed in so many wonderful allegories like the Lord of the Rings or in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I don't want to live in the shadows. The shadows is a sad, dreary, fruitless, joyless place. I don't want to live there. Why would we want to live there if we know Jesus, we know the Lord in all of his inexpressible glory? Why look elsewhere? He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. The light of creator God through Jesus is our life. Next week, we'll talk about reflecting this light. Father, We thank you for the word of God. May it impress deeply into our hearts and minds. Help us to go forth from this place, ruminating on, meditating on these truths that they would have a deep impact in all of our hearts and minds throughout this week and indeed how we choose to live. Help us to seek the light. And for any in this place who are walking in the darkness and they felt that their darkness was light, oh God, deliver them. Call their name, draw them to yourself, open their hearts and minds to receive the illumination of your word, and may they respond in repentance and faith and be born again. God, we ask this because you're the only one who can do it. And Lord, for the rest of us, help us to live in the light and quit messing around with shadows. Help us to live clearly in the light with joy and freedom and power and fruitfulness. We ask all of this and commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and thank you for being here this morning.